Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Have you ever wondered, why is the world so messed up? Well, we're going to learn from Romans chapter 5 today. It's not the economy. It's not the politicians. It's not the media. We're going to find out the Apostle Paul's answer to, why is the world so messed up? And this is a powerful paragraph. One uh, New Testament scholar, Dr. Forbes, said this about Romans 5. Who can rise from the study and contemplation of this wondrous passage full of such profound views and pregnant meanings without an overpowering admiration and irresistible conviction that superhuman wisdom must have dictated its minutest details? So let's get into one of the most powerful paragraphs in the Bible. Would you take out your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5 to find out... <laughs> Why is the world so messed up? Let's pray first. <clears throat> Father, we do look at our lives, we look at the world, and what a mess. And we would pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would teach us how to come out of this mess and be the people you want us to be. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 5, and what I'm going to do, I want to explain it quickly as I read it and then go back and share five lessons I get from this passage for our lives. So let me quickly explain it. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Paul the Apostle writes, Therefore, just as through one man, he's talking about Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, that means about 1300 B.C., when Moses got the Ten Commandments, the law of God, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed, that means fully counted, where there is no law. In other words, uh, after Adam was told, don't eat the fruit, there was no law clearly until the Ten Commandments came in 1300 B.C. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. In other words, Adam had a clear, don't eat the fruit, and he did it. After that, people didn't know what to do until the Ten Commandments came. Adam is a type of him who was to come. Adam is a type of Christ in this sense. Adam passed something terrible on to his descendants. Jesus came and passed something beautiful on to his believers. But the free gift, our salvation, is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift, our salvation, is not like that which comes through the one who sinned, Adam. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, eating the fruit, resulting in condemnation to everybody. But, on the other hand, the free gift, our salvation, arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. 
For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through that one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, eating the fruit, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, the cross, uh, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man, Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The law, again, the Ten Commandments came in so that the transgression would increase. Did you catch that? You know, we normally think God gave us the Ten Commandments to make us better, but they made us worse in a sense. I mean, Mom says, Jimmy, don't put beans in your ears. He never thought of doing it, but I'm going to show her. And he puts beans in his ears. That's what the Ten Commandment does. It makes us worse. Um, uh, the law came in to increase the transgression, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the basic teaching of Romans chapter 5 is there's only two people in human history that count. Adam, who got us all damned, and Jesus, who got us all saved. What I want to do now is, is share with you five important lessons for our lives that I got from that passage just there. Lesson number one, the doctrine of original sin is biblical. Original sin simply means we're all born sinful because of Adam. R verse 19 says, quote, For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Years ago, my sister had a baby, Rebecca. She was brain born with a terminal brain tumor. She only lived eight months. It was such a painful eight months because you saw the head grow with the brain tumor. The baby was in so much pain and died. And that's a picture of all of us. We're all born with this disease that we got from Adam and Eve. Um, it'll kill you at age eight months. It might not kill you till you're 88 years old, but this disease will kill you. And where did we get this disease? From our mom and dad. Where did they get it? From their mom and dad, all the way back to Adam. This is called original sin. And you know, you will not hear this teaching almost anywhere today. I even, when I was in high school, we had, I think, an agnostic English teacher, and he was kind of berating the Christian faith a little bit. You Christians go to churches that teach original sin, that we're all sinful. That's such a negative view of mankind. I put my hand up. Well, Mr. Dornacker, I go to church. I believe God is good, and man whom he made is basically good. And he said, that's not what your Bible teaches. And you know what? Mr. Dornacker was right. <laughs> Through the disobedience of one, the many were made sinners. And I will say this too. William F. Buckley was a Catholic. He died. But he made a great statement once. He said, quote, The doctrine of original sin, that we're born sinful, is the one doctrine of the Christian faith that is empirically verifiable, meaning you can prove it. And his point was, Look at the CBS Evening News. Read the newspaper. Take a good long look in the mirror. Isn't sin everywhere? And somebody said, well, pastor, I just can't swallow the teaching of original sin. And the pastor said, you don't need to. It's already in you. 
Mom and Dad, did you notice when you were raising your kids? You did have to teach them to be good. You didn't have to teach them how to be bad. That was in them by nature. Now, some people don't like this because it's not fair. Original sin, how come I become a sinner because of what Adam did a gazillion years ago? That's not fair. Why do I get this sin and this condemnation because of what somebody else did? Well, it's fair. Let me quote three men a lot smarter than I am on how this is fair. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, said this, quote, As Adam has corrupted us with foreign sin without our fault, so has Christ saved us with foreign grace without our merit. Uh, E.F. Harrison, a Bible scholar, said, If one is still troubled by the seeming injustice of being born with a sinful nature because of what Adam did and being held accountable for the sins that result from that disability, weigh carefully 2 Corinthians 5.19, where Paul states, quote, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. The sins committed that we owe their original impetus to the sin of the first man are not counted against those who have put their faith in Christ. God takes their sins and gives them Christ's righteousness. Would you not agree this is more than a fair exchange? And one more scholar, Scott, said this, Instead of perplexing ourselves about the incomprehensible but most righteous dispensation of God in permitting the entrance of sin and death, let us learn to adore his grace for providing so adequate a remedy for that awful catastrophe. In other words, if God would have left us in our sin, then it would look unfair. But God didn't. He sent Jesus. So, so the first lesson I want you to get is original sin is biblical. And because of Jesus, it's fair. <laughs> Second lesson. Beware of what one sin can do. It says in verse 18, one transgression resulted in condemnation to all men. It took Adam one second to bite that fruit, and look what it did. I was in Oklahoma City, and I went to the Oklahoma City Bombing Museum. I walked out of that museum numb. It takes you hour by hour what happened. And it took Timothy McVeigh one minute to explode the bomb and oh, the devastation. My point is this, Christian, before you commit that one sin, stop and ask yourself, what will this do to my marriage? What will this do to my children? What will this do to my life? Beware of what one sin can do. Lesson number three, Jesus has much more effect on us than Adam. I get this from verses 15, 17, and 20 of Romans 5. Adam did this, but much more Jesus did this. Adam did this, much more Jesus did this. Adam did this, much more. And the point is, Jesus has much more effect on you than Adam did. <laughs> now, you might want to say, really? I mean, my dad died when he was 53 years old. Then six years later, my sister Ruthann died at age 32. And that, the second funeral was especially hard on mom. And I remember she said after the funeral, Tommy, doesn't life stink? And where does Jesus have more effect on us than Adam in this world? I mean, I was at a garage sale last week. 
and this couple running the garage. So, oh, Pastor Brock, we love your TV show, etc. And I just shared my heart and I said, I am so grieved with what is happening to America with all the abortion, pornography, premarital sex, and now gay marriage. And, and, and the, the woman kind of stopped me. She said, yes, Pastor Brock, but you got to have hope. <laughs> and I agreed with her and I said, you're right. In the end, we win. And that's, notice the tense of the verse on how Jesus has uh, more effect on us. Verse 17, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through Christ. It's a future thing. In other words, Christians, there's coming a day when we're on the other side, when we realize Jesus for eternity has a much greater effect on me than what puny Adam had. <laughs> Fourth lesson. We are saved through Christ's obedience, not ours. And I get this from verse 19. Listen to this. Even so, the obedience of the one will make the many to be made righteous. That means we're saved by Christ's righteousness, not my own. You've heard this story perhaps, I've told it before, but a judge sentenced a criminal to prison. The prisoner becomes a believer in prison. Years later he gets out and unbeknownst to both of them, he joins the church where the judge is, is a member. And one Sunday morning, they both met at the communion table and knelt to take Holy Communion. And the pastor knew what was going on. And after church, the judge says to the pastor, what a miracle of grace. And the pastor said, yes, a miracle of grace. And the judge is leaving, but he turns around and he says, wait a minute, pastor, what are you talking about? Well, what a miracle of grace that this criminal is now saved. And the judge said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. It takes nothing for a criminal to know he's a sinner in need of Christ. But what a miracle of grace that me, I was raised in a Christian home. I've been moral all my life. A miracle of grace that God opened my eyes to see I need Christ's righteousness as much as the criminal does. We are saved not by our righteousness, but by Christ's righteousness being imputed to us. It's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. In fact, See, that's why it's so hard sometimes to save religious people who think they're good. Jesus never reached the Pharisees because they were so into their own righteousness that's saving them. And you only get saved by Christ's righteousness. Last lesson from this passage. We have a lot of sin, but God has a lot more grace. Verse 20 says, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Martin Luther had a barber. One day Luther's getting his hair cut and the barber, oh, Dr. Luther, I'm such a sinner. There's no way I can be saved. I'm in the chains. It goes on and on. Finally, Luther said, sir, never be so vain to think that you can outsin the grace of God. Years ago, we had a prostitute on this show, had a horrible life, came to Christ, forgiven, born again, and now she's helping other women out of prostitution. Where sin increased, God's grace abounded all the more. If you're watching this show and you're feeling awful because of some sin you committed, let verse 20 of Romans 6 warm your heart. Even though grace, sin increased, grace abounded all the more. There's a beautiful hymn that we sing in some of our churches, grace, grace. God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin, 
grace, grace, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Well, let's conclude this. Here is what Romans chapter 5 teaches. You should see your church as a hospital. In this hospital, everybody's sick and they're dying. But there's a doctor who has the cure. So we go to the hospital every week to get the cure. We take Holy Communion, the body and blood of Christ, that's part of the cure. We listen to the, the Word of God preached, that's part of the cure. We worship, we have Christian fellowship. And our job is to go into the streets and tell everybody else that's dying of the same disease, hey, there's a doctor, come, he's got the medicine that'll save you and heal you. And the world is lost and the world is messed up because of Adam, but you can be saved if you will come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, do all Christian denominations teach original sin that were born yeah, sinful? Almost all do. There are a few uh, churches that believe that we're not sinners until we reach the age of accountability, which is who knows where, 12 maybe they think. But overwhelmingly, most Christians believe in original sin. Now let me tell you, that's technically true, but sadly because of liberalism in the church, a lot of liberal pastors won't preach what I just preached because it's too negative. <laughs> so. Okay. You said that Christ's effect on us is greater than Adam's effect. That will be in the future, right? Yes. And right now, we're still more under Adam's control, aren't we? The whole world is under Adam's control, except for the Christians. And we've been set free by Christ. However, but we, still we still sin. And so the reformers, Martin Luther and John Calvin, 500 years ago, they came up with a Latin phrase called simul justus et peccator which means simultaneously saint and sinner, which means when you accept Christ, Jackie, from that moment on, you're always two things. You're always a saint and you're always a sinner. So, but the world who doesn't know Christ, they're totally without hope until they come to Christ because they're just sinners. Christians are saint-sinners. So Christians do sin, though. Yeah. We don't stop sinning. We don't stop sinning, but there's a change of direction. Uh, we talk about direction, not perfection. We won't be perfect till we're in heaven, but the direction of our life changes once we've come to Christ. And if there's been no change of direction, then you've got to ask yourself, are you saved? There are people that profess that they are saved, and then you see them doing things, mm -hmm. and they don't appear to be sorry for any of the things right. they're doing. Yeah. Are they still really a Christian? I think Jesus said in Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and he says, you know, didn't I do miracles in your name, cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. So there are people that think they're Christians, they're actually doing miracles and, and casting demons out, and they're going to be lost on the last day. Why? Because they never departed from lawlessness. Wow. Yeah. So, Pastor Brock, what exactly is the imputed righteousness of Christ? Okay, yeah, because we just learned from Romans 5 there that... It's not our righteousness that saves us, it's Christ. So Jackie, you've heard this before, but l let's say this finger is you and me, and this hand is God. 
we come and we stand before God on Judgment Day. God is holy and he can't let sin in his presence. The problem is we're, we're filled with sin. So what God does in our baptism, he washes us of our sin and the Bible says as many as are, have been baptized in Christ have been clothed with Christ. So God clothes me with Jesus' righteousness. So when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our sin. He sees 33 years of perfect obedience that Jesus rendered for us on the earth. It's imputed to my account, therefore I'll be saved. It's hard to believe that Jesus is, what he did is going to save us <laughs> when we continue to sin. Right. Well, again, there's a difference, Jackie. Are you sinning and repenting and fighting it, or are you sinning and living in it? Those are the people that aren't, aren't saved, where they're living in it and there's no repentance. Okay, then I guess let me play devil's advocate mm -hmm. a little bit here, too, then. Mm -hmm. Why not sin all the more so that God's grace can increase yes. and all the more? Yep, and that comes, Paul, Paul, Paul preaches Romans 5 that we just looked at, and then he starts Romans chapter 6. You will say to me then, why don't we sin so that grace can increase? In other words, if we're saved by grace and not by what we do, let's just sin it up and God can have even that much more grace on us. Paul's response, may it never be. And his point is, he, then he goes into baptism. Because God killed our old Adam in baptism, drowned him, and gave us a new nature in, in Christ, you can't live in sin and truly be a Christian. You can sin and repent, but you can't live in it and be, and be saved. So Adam and Eve bore two sons. Mm -hmm. Do, did either of them, I mean, I guess we know that there was problems there. One was a good son and one was mm -hmm. a bad son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one son was better than the other. Let's put it that way. I, okay. I, you know, when I people say to me, when, when people say to me, well, you know, why do good things, bad things happen to good people? My response is, what good people? There aren't, the Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one. <laughs> So. Okay. Pastor Brock, we have a letter from one of our viewers, and, you know, I think maybe before I even talk to you about what she says in this, um, we're on the air now in a lot of different places. Do you want to give a little bit of a background to this? And sure. Well, you know, everybody, um, we preach on this show that sex outside of marriage is a sin, that abortion is a sin, that gay sex is a sin. Pornography is a sin, and overwhelmingly, believe it or not, our, our male is supportive. Thank you, Pastor Brock, for taking a stand. But boy, I get negative stuff too. I got a, a couple lesbians from Wichita called and just left them a bad message. Let's put it, I have to pray sometimes before I look up my emails because the bad can get really bad. But normally, we have people that are very supportive, uh, sending money to keep us on the air, that kind of thing, and writing us notes. So here's one. This is a note from one of our listeners that says, thank you so much for the television ministry you have. You may not realize it, but God is using your ministry to help a lot of Christ followers like myself overcome the devil's schemes. I have found myself becoming more vocal in my stand for Christ. Thank you for making your messages clear and simple for me to understand. And please pray that I might continue his work also by sharing a clean and simple message mm -hmm. of Jesus to a lost and dying world. Yeah. And that's the norm. We get very positive. And, you know, I want to tell people, too, uh, if, if you have a friend that needs to hear what we talk about, have them go to pastorstudy.org. 
That's our TV uh, show. It's free. You can watch all of these TV shows that we have now on TV on, on pastorstudy.org. Uh, pray for us. If the Lord moves you to give, we'd love to expand to more cities. I mean, that letter, we're in Minneapolis. That letter was from Georgia. So just pray for us and go to pastorstudy.org. Refer people or for yourself. You can watch our TV shows anytime there. Okay, and we're also on Direct TV too. We are, yes. So I mean, people and should know where that too. Dish yeah. Network. So, um, it, if it hadn't been for all the people that started watching the show when we were just a local network, mm -hmm. and we would never have gotten to the point that we've yeah. expanded to today. Exactly. I, I, this is a God thing. I didn't plan this. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway. sometimes God has other things in plan <laughs> for us than that. But that's right. You know, I, I guess one more thing, Tom. You know, you run into people who recognize you from being on the TV show and that do a lot of do a lot of these people not like what you're saying and tell you that you know I uh, the people that say I see you on TV are all positive in fact can I tell you this Jackie I'm driving through the I'm driving through Robbinsdale it's a suburb of Minneapolis where they have the abortion clinic and God bless the Catholics that are out in front of it praying and holding up signs and I rolled down my window and I said thank you for what you're doing uh, and one of them says oh Pastor Brock we love your show you preach the true gospel I don't know if he was Catholic or Protestant or what he was but but when people stop me and say I see your TV show it's almost always positive now now and then I'll get I see your TV show. <laughs> then I know they're not thrilled with it, but normally people are very appreciative. Yeah. I think it's amazing sometimes that it has opened up an avenue just to talk about your show mm -hmm. with somebody when they say, well, I saw you on TV. What are you doing that yeah. for? Yeah, you, you, know? get, you get that. And, yeah. you know, it's hard sometimes for me to pick a time that I think is the right time to witness. Mm -hmm. and so many doors have opened because just because people say they saw us yeah. on our TV show and how did you ever get involved uh, in that? I and, get that too. And it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And Tom is a avid garage sailor, so he goes to garage sales and that's where he gets recognized well, the most. Yeah, and Jackie, well, we, so Pastor Brock, oh, you're, I, I see your TV show, I'm at a garage sale. My uh, unbelieving nephew just died. Is there any hope for him? And I went right into, not if he didn't come to Christ. You know, so those doors open. Yeah. So I guess we're running out of time, Tom. So we want to thank you for your continued support, watching our show, telling other people about it. And we pray that God would be with you and that he continues to grant you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Anything else? That'll do it. Uh, 23 seconds. Well, we got 23 seconds. Again, Pastor Study, two S's, pastorstudy.org. Pray for us. We, we're, I think we exist because some people were praying. And just pray for us. Go to that website, watch our TV shows, and God be with you. See you next week. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Thank you.